I love going to Ridley State Park and hike. I don't like the poison ivy. Sometimes I uh, get, I don't fall into it, but I, I do touch it every now and again, not willingly, but uh, I do have a little bit of poison ivy sometimes from going there. Because I like the, uh, the trails. They have the big, wide, blacktop, circular trail, which is about five miles. So I felt I could do this, so I, I decided to go the whole length of the Yellow Trail and back. So maybe some of you have done that once. That's an eight-mile round trip. And um, I was very proud of myself. I got it posted on this uh, app called Strava, so my few fans can follow me and say, wow, look at that. Give me some, some dopamine taps with uh, kudos. Good job. <laughs> Eight miles, that's a long, that took me three hours. Just think about this. The Lake, uh, lake of Galilee, from where Jesus usually did his preaching, and going up to Caesarea Philippi was a 35-mile hike. If someone were to ask me, hey, do you want to go on 35 miles? I would say, uh, uh, no, I don't have time for 35 miles. I don't think I could do it. But he did. He wanted to go. And it wasn't because he wanted to take a stroll. He, he wanted to go because it was going to be a place of great importance to make his point. The, everything is pushing toward this climax in his ministry. So Caesarea Philippi was formerly known as Paneas until Herod the Great son, Philip, renamed it Caesar to, to get some uh, kudos from uh, Julius, from Caesar, Augustus, by naming him this, this place. It contained the site of a once sacred god, a Greek god, the god of Pan. And it was known as the Grotto of Pan. And there was these massive pools, springs of water that, that are still there. And many bad things happened in those places because there were pagan temples set up. Human sacrifices were made. The Jews said, actually, that that's where the gates of Hades existed, the gates of hell there in, down below. So Jesus wanted to go hiking there. And above these pools is this massive, massive rock, hundreds of feet high, hundreds of feet wide. And there, on top of that rock, most likely, at that night, had a campfire. And then ask that question, who do people say that I am? And we all can have a mistaken idea about someone, right? Oh, this someone's like this, or this someone's like that. And that's what they got. Oh, they think you're Elijah. They think you're one of the prophets. Can you believe that? And necessarily Jesus is going to zone in on each one's heart 
as he zones in on them, he zones in on us and asks us point blank, who do you say that I am? Right now, we can think about that. When we receive communion today, he will say this to us. He will ask this question, who do you say that I am? Am I a thought? Am I some distant hope? Am I real? And so beautiful, as these opinions blurted out, Simon, with all his heart, mind, faith, said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So this is the inflection point. Peter, the rock, he's not the rock yet, but he's going to be pretty quick, declares in faith that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is so just beside himself. Simon, son of John, blessed are you. Because no one has told you about this except my heavenly Father. It's, It's come from him. And I say to you, and this is the change, I say to you, remember in the Genesis, and God said, let there be light. Boom, there's light. Let there be water, the sky, etc. God's word performs. It makes things happen. And so, therefore, Jesus is saying, Therefore, I say to you, you are rock, Peter. And upon this rock, I am going to build my church. It's interesting, on this rock, this massive rock, that Jesus declares that Peter is the rock. So it's, the symbolism is really important. And that Peter declares on this rock that's where they were sitting that where so many false gods were worshipped, that he says, you are the son of the living God. So the declaration that Peter makes isn't superficial. It's not like dropping some name, you know. This declaration would change history because it paved the way for Jesus to establish his church. And what is his church? He is the head, we are the body. He calls us all together, community, ecclesia. And there is authority in this church. And we read this in the first reading as well. A type of pointing toward Peter and this authority to declare to bind and loose to create the hierarchy 
The pools below those springs feed the Jordan River. It's in the Jordan River that Jesus sanctified when he walked in the river to be baptized. And those are the waters now, through all water that we use in baptism, that create new people, new children for the church. Temples of the Holy Spirit. All those that are baptized are transformed into daughters, adopt the daughters and sons of God. And it's interesting, this, this line here, the gates of hell will not prevail. That image that came to me was, when I first read this, years when I was a kid, was the image of an ostrich. An ostrich which, with his head in the ground. You know, that's what they do. They hide. All right, stick my head. Let me find a hole. Stick my head in the ground. And then something else is sticking up. And that something else can be kicked. Like, okay, everything is going to be so bad. But, you know, like a nuclear fallout. But we'll, we'll survive. We'll survive. That's not what Jesus... That's not what Jesus is saying here. Because if you remember, if you've ever gone to, uh, uh, to the Holy Land, to Jerusalem, to, to Europe, some of these small cities, like a small city in, uh, in Spain called Avila, they have the, the stone wall around the city. Or in those castles, they'd have those moats. And then like Constantinople had an amazing wall before it was conquered by the Ottoman Empire. But... So Jesus is saying that hell, the dominion of Satan, has this wall around it. And that wall is not going to prevail against the daughters and sons of my heavenly Father who are baptized. And how will they conquer? With love. The transformation of hearts that believe, that hope, And this love which changes the reality. It creates goodness. It sows up division. It creates peace. For which we all yearn. These gates of hell will not hold out against them. The next, not in this text here, he's strictly ordered... His disciples not to say anything, but afterward he begins now to open up directly about his imminent passion, death, and resurrection. Because for all of this to happen, to, for the church to be, we need the Eucharist. And on this altar tonight, in just a few moments, minutes, will be represented the sacrifice of Calvary represented again. And Jesus offered anew that sacrifice reunited to the Father and we receive him in Holy Communion. What a great gift. So may our experience tonight as well forge me on to love, to imitate Jesus who is the Son of the living God.